This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? Today we are talking about Priscilla and Aquila, so let's take a closer look. So what 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 we got going? Yeah, so in a series about women, we would be remiss to not talk about a fantastic woman named Priscilla. Yeah. Who is mentioned first in scripture and how it's worded like Priscilla and Aquila, right? Like not always. Not always, but like sometimes that does happen, which is interesting for the more, cultural setting. More times than not, it happens. Yeah. So yeah, actually in Greek her name is Prisca. Okay. I don't know how we got Priscilla out of Prisca. <laughs> but that's kind of or that's the way she's recorded at least once. Okay. Um that I looked up. So Anyways, but it's her and her husband. Priscilla is the woman. Aquila is the man. They are mentioned six times in the New Testament in four different books in the New Testament. So they're mentioned in one of the Timothy epistles. They're mentioned in Acts. They're mentioned in, I think, maybe Ephesians. Um, give me a second. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy. Got you. Are the four books they're listed in. Of those six times they are listed, Aquila is only first twice. Wow. And one of them is when we're introduced into his character in Acts. It's Aquila who just came here with his wife, Priscilla. Uh, like we're getting the whole introductory there, which yeah. makes sense that he's named first. But then every time after that through Acts, it's Priscilla, Priscilla first. And in Romans, it's Priscilla first. Interesting, right? In First Corinthians, it's Aquila first. Hmm. But then in Second Timothy, it's Priscilla again. Which is interesting that she's listed before her husband in the same like collection of literature yeah. that we get the whole like I do not permit a woman to have authority over a man kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it seems that Paul may have some idea that maybe she's doing a bit more than Aquila, right? And that's why he lists her first sometimes. Either that or she's more gifted in her role because they are called apostles. Right. They collectively, though, they together are called apostles. Okay. Um, and Paul in Romans calls them co-workers or co-laborers in the ministry. Right. Um, so, yeah, she's either better at it and or more gifted and or I, I don't know. I mean, clearly there's a reason that she's first. Right. Because culturally that wouldn't happen. Right. Culturally it, it would be taboo for her to be named at all. Right. Um, like, depending on the place. Maybe not taboo, but mm -hmm. it would definitely not be common for her to be listed. Second to her husband. 
Well, no. So it would be common for her to be listed second to her okay. husband. It would. It's it's unheard of that she's listed first. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. For um, sure. what I'm trying to decide is how common it would have been for her to be listed at all. Uh, not much, not much, not very common. If she's listed, it's for a very good reason. Right. Um, and so I, I'm fascinated by this, right? And this is, we talked about this on Pines and Perspectives and Narrative Theology, but if, if all we did was look for one passage in the Bible searching for objective truth yeah. about the role of women, we would definitely go to the Timothy sure. stuff. The problem with that is, even though whatever Paul says there, right? I mean, I can't deny he does say, or whoever writes that says, I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Yeah. That's there. I can't deny that. I got to do something else with it. But if all I did was take that, then I got to do all these exception clauses for each one of these times we see women doing something other than what Paul permitted or yeah. the author of Timothy permitted. Which happens a lot. <laughs> it does happen a lot. I mean, you look at this. We're fixing to look at a text right now where Priscilla definitely takes an authority figure over a man. Yep. Um, and once again, they could have listed Aquila first. They chose not to in this instance. Yeah. I think she was kind of the ramrod of this whole thing we're about to look at. But, I mean, there are so many things. I mean, you got to completely disregard all of 1 Corinthians 11. Yeah. Um, you got to completely disregard who Phoebe was. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I'm assuming we're going to look at Phoebe at some point. We will. Okay. Um, you got to completely disregard... Judea and Syntyche from Philippians. I mean, there's just so many powerful women in the New Testament that Paul was in and around. You gotta, you gotta get rid of Lydia. Mm, mm-hmm. She's a house church. She's the first house church leader of Philippi. Yeah. I mean, you just got to get rid of all of them because clearly God's at work through these women, and Paul calls them multiple times co-workers, co-laborers, co-ministers. And so if we just took this one passage in Timothy, we're going, okay, well, what do we do with all these stories? Because these stories are fantastic. Yeah. You can't deny these stories and the stories that they tell. I mean, when you read that text in the Timothy literature, you've got you've to stake a claim to that and go, okay, all these other ones? What do you do with those? Mm-hmm. Are are you comfortable saying Paul got it wrong? No? You're shaking your head no? I, I have said that before, but not in this instance. I'm not comfortable saying that Paul got it wrong just because I haven't looked at it enough. You know what I mean? Um, since we're not totally sure who wrote Timothy, I'm comfortable saying that that person may have gotten it wrong. Yeah. You know, like well, in First Corinthians fourteen, it does say women should be silent in church. It does, and but, no, there's no question Paul wrote that one. But but what is this? Yes, you agreed. know, like, agreed. So I, I don't know. Here's what I would say: for me, it's easy. It's much easier to make exception with two verses than it is to make exception with like eighteen stories. Yeah. Um, 
It just doesn't make sense to me. So let's dive into this text here. Let's go for um, it. So Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila, as I mentioned, are listed six times in the text. Mm -hmm. Several of those times, like in Romans and 1 Corinthians and Timothy, it's just like greetings. Like, oh, and tell them I said hey. Right. Um, but several of the other times we get actual stories of them. And I think this is really interesting, this story. So they, they meet Paul and Paul takes them with him on his missionary journey. And this is in Acts 18 verse 18. After staying there for considerable time, Paul said farewell to the believers and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So he takes them with him. Yeah. He thinks they are valuable to his ministry. Like ministers in the gospel. Yeah. And so he's taking them with him. And like we've we've read Second Corinthians. We know Paul's travels are not just peachy. It ain't like he's staying in five star hotels and crap when he's out traveling. I mean he Dude, gets shipwrecked and beat up and arrested and, and bit, all bit by a snake and yeah, actually like, dies at one point. Like Yeah, like Paul going on vacation with Paul wasn't actually going on vacation. <laughs> you you were going to work and you were working yeah. hard for it. Yeah. It wasn't a travel back in the day was not safe. Yeah. We think about it and it's like, oh, Paul's traveling all over the world. Well, yeah, that's not normal. Yeah it's really not safe to travel that much back in the day. And that's why he can say in his list of afflictions, like shipwrecked eight times or however many <laughs> were not eight, but yeah. I think it's three, but so they commit to go on this journey with him and they show up in like Ephesus area, which, so just to put this into perspective, Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus. So is both the Timothy epistles mm -hmm. because Timothy is the pastor, supposedly, of the church of Ephesus. Mm. So Priscilla and Aquila are here in Ephesus with Paul, like all very familiar with Priscilla and Aquila and then 2 Timothy and you know all the things. So they show up here and... Verse 24 says, Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos. All right. So, well, and then it says a native of Alexandria. Okay. So we've got to take our, like, we've got to take our thinking hat off or put our thinking hat on for a second. So Alexandria, Egypt was historically known as like a location for scattered Jews, mm -hmm. like the diaspora Jews. The problem with that was is Alexandria was a very educated area, mm -hmm. very wealthy. So like the guy I did my master's thesis on, Clement of Alexandria, right? he was the leader of this school like a hundred years later of this. And I know, so Apollos is this Jew from Alexandria, and he shows up, and the the rest of this story is like, oh, he's well-spoken, he's got narrative about him, like he's, um, 
He's got good rhetoric. Like he's clearly he's a good just communicator. A guy. Well, he's a good communicator. Yeah. Is what it is. And he learns that at Alexandria. Okay. But there's a bit of an issue. Alexandria ended up being very Alexandria ended up being hyper spiritualized. So that's where we get allegory from. So for instance, there are a lot of times that this is not a problem, but there are sometimes it is. Like, you know the story where Jesus calms the storm? Mm-hmm. And you know how we always go, well, if Jesus can calm that storm, he can calm the storm in your life or whatever. Right. That's an allegorical interpretation. Sure. Okay, it works. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It's safe. That that kind of thinking came out of Alexandria. Oh, okay. They can also take it too far, though. So anytime there's water or rain in the Old Testament, they automatically go, it's baptism. It's baptism. Like any kind of water imagery or anything, it's baptism. So they can take it too far. So I can understand how Apollo shows up and he knows how to say all the right things, but his content is a little bit off from Priscilla and Aquila and their teaching and and learning from Paul. Okay. So he shows up. And I'm sure he's very well-spoken. He's garnering a following, right? It, it says in here that he's well-versed in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord as he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Like, the dude's a great communicator. He's yeah. like a very charismatic guy, but his content's just a little bit off. Just something's not quite right about it. And so, as the story goes on, Priscilla and Aquila are listening. And once again, they could have listed Aquila first. They did not. Yeah. They put Priscilla first. And what do they do? They pull him aside and start talking to him. And it, well, what the text They're says, correcting him. Yeah. They took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Yeah. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Hmm. They could have listed Aquila first. They could have. They didn't. That leads me to believe that Priscilla's the ramrod in this. Yeah. She's the one protecting the way of the Lord. She's the one protecting the teaching. She's the one being the guardian of the faith, the ministry. She's the one taking the chargers. Not that Aquila didn't play a part. Right. He certainly did. They're both apostles. But Priscilla takes the lead. In a very challenging situation. We don't, I mean, it's hard for us to imagine, but Back in that day, entertainment's not as big of a thing. Right. And so what did you do for fun? You went down to the wherever they're having that debate that day. And you listen to people talk. Whatever street corner had the largest soapbox. Yeah. That's where people stood. It wasn't actually a soapbox back no. then. But I think the soapbox thing came around in like the 1600s, 1700s in America. But wherever, whatever street corner the philosopher stood and spoke, you went and listened. Mm -hmm. 
and you could kind of travel between them because they would stand, you know, very close to one another. You could just go listen to what all of them had to say. Yeah. Clearly, Apollos is getting quite a following. Yeah. I mean, you don't take notice of the dude that nobody's listening to, right? Right. Sorry, I had to get some water. I had to get baptized in my throat. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> so, clearly Apollo has this uh, kind of following, and Priscilla's like, this can't stand. This guy's real close, but like, he's got a few things off we need to correct. Just needs some tweaking. So she pulls him down and says, hey man, we, we need to chat. Can you imagine a woman walking up to an eloquent speaking man from Alexandria, at this time one of the most educated places on the planet, and saying, hey, I got qualms. We need to chat. That's, it's bold. It is bold. But why was she being bold? What, what, what's the motivation here for her pulling him aside? The motivation seems to be to protect the way of the Lord. Protecting the way of the Lord. If there's one thing that I can confidently say about women of faith, it's that they protect the way of the Lord. Hmm. Men don't always. No. We, we are very careless at times. Um, just look in the Bible, all the things that men do wrong, right? I, I don't think there's a single man in the Bible other than Jesus that I can look at and go, that dude didn't do anything wrong from what, like from the story we're told. There are several women I can do that with, um, Ruth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Esther. Yeah. I was about to say Esther. Um, Deborah. Yeah. And think about it this way, uh, Mary. Um, yeah, Mary. Um, think about it just in, in modern times, though. How many times have you seen women get involved in these theological debates that sometimes end up in screaming with your Bibles open? I've never seen it. Oh, I've seen it, but not not in like a normal church. But it's, well, it's... Most of the time it happens when a man is insulting a woman. Right. And and there I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, can I hold him down so you can hit him? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I'm I'm okay there. Yeah. But um But just over like, like hashing it out over just some something random thing in church. Something that something? doesn't really matter. Nah. Like n- nobody. Like I've I've never seen that before. No. Nope. But I've seen grown men you know, yell at each other debating soteriology. Yeah. Right? That's a man thing. Yeah. And that's just, it's toxic masculinity is what it is. Agreed. Agreed. And women don't do that. Here, she's just saying like, hey bro, like, just, let's, let's, let's rein it in a little bit. Yeah, let's rein it in a little bit. You got, I like, I like the slab you built. Yeah. But, uh, let's re- we need to change some of the, design structure yeah we need to rethink this a little bit and literally all it says is um but when priscilla and aquila heard him they took him aside yeah they didn't call him out yeah she didn't embarrass him yeah they took him aside and explained 
the way of the Lord more accurately. Yeah. That doesn't feel f- like forceful language. No, and I, I, I think that's intentional. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think this is a forceful encounter at all. It definitely I, seems like they did this in grace, right? Um, and that is one of the many, many things that women bring to the table, right? It's they grace. keep us in line. <laughs> yeah. And they do it gracefully. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think there, there's a few things I love about Priscilla here. I mean, her boldness. Mm. I mean, this is just unheard of. Oh, Whether yeah. your husband's by your side or not, this is unheard of. And then second of all, like, her just deepest desire to protect the way of the Lord. Like... That shouldn't be just passed over. No. That should be all of our hearts. Mm. I mean, and women, at least from what I've seen, I feel like women do a better job of it than men. Women have their own struggles. Sure. But think about, in most homes, who's the guardian of the faith in the home? You know, the way it's written in scripture is that it should be the dad, but that just isn't the case anymore. It's not. I mean, dads aren't there for a lot of homes. Mm-hmm. They work, they're gone, whatever. Mom's more accessible, whatever. Single moms, right? Like, yeah. Like, the world just looks different, and the guardian, the protector of the way of the Lord in most households are moms. We could all learn from Priscilla. Oh, yeah. Man, woman, child. Like, boldly protect the way of the Lord. And that's not a... It's not a prideful thing. It's not a judgmental thing. Like you said, they did it with grace. But in anything, if you begin to compromise, compromise can take you to more compromise and more compromise and more compromise down to a deep, dark pit that feels like you can't get out of. Yeah. Protecting the way of the Lord keeps us from falling in that pit. And we could all learn from these women Ruth and Esther and Priscilla, all these women of faith, they do an outstanding job of showing us what it looks like to gracefully protect the way of the Lord.